0: So we are here once again to uh, get ourselves ready for, uh, for Slichos, and the way it falls out this year is particularly uh, uh, meaningful, just because we get really one week's worth of Slichos. That's what we're going to say between now to Rosh Hashanah, we have the introductory uh, uh, Slichos. And the reason why this is something which is important is because it's brought down the way we Ashkenazim say slichos is based on the idea that we need to have at least four days of slichos before Rosh Hashanah arrives. And the Mishabur brings down a number of different reasons why that uh, should be so. One is, is that there used to be a custom to fast, to uh, to have a tightness throughout their se'ir Shuvah for the ten days of their se'ir Shuvah. but you can't really fast for all ten days because the two days of Rosh Hashanah you're not allowed to fast. Whenever Shabbos falls out during that week, you're not allowed to fast. You're not allowed to fast on erev Yom Kippur. So since there's minimally four days in which you're not going to be able to fast, so four out of the ten you're not fasting, so we'll go ahead and we'll make that up ahead of time. We'll front load the fast by doing at least four days of slichos, and some people have the custom of fasting during that time as a way of putting that together. Then the mishabur mentions another reason. It so says, another reason is, why they established specifically four days. Because there was a practice that when bringing an animal as a korban in the of HaMikdash, So the animal had to be set aside and designated at least four days in advance of being offered. So that somebody, it doesn't say exactly who, but somebody would go ahead and would examine the animal, look over the animal to make sure that it's blemish free because the animal can't be brought as a korban if it, it, if it possesses blemishes. And therefore, to be certain that the animal had no movement, no blemishes whatsoever, so they would set aside the animal and they would begin to examine it for the four days in advance. And then the mishabura points out, it's really from the el but he says, that in general, if you look at the wording of the Psukim having to do with korbanos in Parshas Pinchas, the korbanos related to Yam Tovim. So, so the language of the Pasuk always is, and you will offer in Ola. Rather than to offer, you will make in Ola. So that obviously is a change of wording is something which is significant. Lalamed and this teaches us yasa adam That on on Rosh Hashanah, a person should see himself as if he is offering himself as a korban. So each of us is going to be that korban come Rosh Hashanah. And therefore, Chazal said, just like for a regular korban, you need four days of examination to make sure that it doesn't have any blemishes before you can bring it up on the Mizbeach. So, so too, in advance of Rosh Hashanah, where we are the ones, in a sense, whatever that means, are going to be offered as korbanos. So we need to spend four days contemplating and exploring what sins we may have committed, which leaves behind the blemish, which leaves behind some sort of stain on who we are, so that we could clean that off and we can get ourselves to the point where we can offer ourselves as a korban, blemish-free. And that's the, the origin, that's another reason why we go ahead and we make sure to say at least four days of slichos before Rosh Hashanah arrives. And this idea of examining ourselves and thinking about our behavior and all of that is something which is, that's really what Slichos is about, but it's something which could be very intimidating. Because nobody really likes to see themselves in a bad light, nobody likes to explore their weaknesses and their failures in the things which they need to work on, we generally like to see ourselves in a, in, in a positive light. And this is something which is, uh, which is very uncomfortable to go ahead and do, to be able to really explore and to be introspective about your own behavior and about your own stuff. And it's really a skill which I think for many of us, uh, we're not too accustomed to doing. Real deep contemplation about who we are and what we are in the sins themselves and I'd like to spend these couple of minutes just sort of exploring what exactly that process involves so that we can engage in that process during these next four days, next five, six days, so that when we enter into Rosh Hashanah, so we will feel confident in terms of our position and that we are indeed blemish-free and we could, uh, we could present ourselves as a, as a korban. And the thing to keep in mind when we talk about thinking about who you are and what you are and your behaviors is that the behavior, the, what we would refer to as the sins which we commit, so those represent only the outermost manifestation of what's going on internally. Like the muscle which everybody gives in terms of a, uh, an iceberg. So the part that you see above the surface of the water represents a minor proportion of what actually exists beneath the surface, and the bulk of what's going on, the bulk of the iceberg, is concealed from the eye, because you can't see it under the water and are the behavior which we do the Lashadhara which we speak the anger which we demonstrate the whatever the, the negative trait or the negative behaviors which you would focus your attention on and say yes this is something which is a blemish and this is something which I need to rid myself of this particular thing that behavior is just the only outermost manifestation of that the outermost expression of it but what we need to do is we need to explore deeply in terms of why do I engage in that behavior why do I do that thing? What triggers me to get me to go ahead and behave in that, partic- in that particular manner? And that's really where you need to go ahead and you need to explore, you need to figure out what's going on. Undoubtedly, there are behaviors which, uh, which everybody engages in where you know it's not something I should do. This is something which I should avoid. This is something which I should stop. It may very well be for the past... 30 years on Rosh Hashanah, you told yourself, this year, I'm finally going to stop that behavior, I'm going to stop doing it, or you find yourself engaged in conversations, and you say, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, and next thing you know, it's already out of your mouth, and you've already said it, and you're now going to have to face the consequences of whatever it is that you said that you knew 100% you should not say, because it's going to make life much more difficult for you, much more challenging. And the question is why? What causes you, what deep inside of you motivates you and gets you to go ahead and engage in that uh, behavior. Because that is, that's the root of what the behavior is. And in order to become really blemish-free, in order to be able to present ourselves to so, it's not enough to try and cut off the behavior at the outermost level. It's so like trying to kill the weed just by cutting off what's above the ground. You're not going to get anywhere if you just cut what's a, what you see above the ground. If you're actually going to kill the weed, you need to uproot it entirely so that none of it remains. And only then can you be certain that it's gone. But if you leave some of it still there, it's inevitably going to go ahead and grow back. And as we try year after year to try and trim this bad behavior or that bad behavior or this type of conversation or this type of attitude which I have, and I keep just cutting the edges of it, you're not going to get anywhere. Because it's going to continue to grow because it still has root inside, and wherever it still has root, it's going to continue to grow. And that's why we need to the, the the introspection and the contemplation is choose the behavior that that, that you want. Let's say something, you know, somebody is uh, uh, not engaged in davening. Let's saying something like that, we're in is not engaged in davening. Not necessarily talking in davening, daydreaming in davening, whatever it happens to be that you don't feel that you're engaged, that you're really into it in davening, as you know you should be. So ask yourself why. Why is davening something which is so difficult? Is it simply because it's a language barrier and I don't get the language? Is it something where even if I understand the language, I still find my mind wandering somewhere else? And if you still find your mind wandering somewhere else, going in a different direction, so why is that so? Are you incapable of being able to focus your attention, which may be the answer for some or many of you? Or is it when there are times during the day that you find you're perfectly capable of focusing your attention, and it's something about davening which is not grabbing your attention? And if that's the case, you need to go the next step and say, so what is it? What am I missing in davening which doesn't allow me to engage fully my mind and my soul into that activity? And until you get as deep as you can to find out where it is the deepest part of the root, why it is that you're struggling with davening, you're not going to solve the problem. You may... This day you'll focus on this bracha, and this day you may try and focus on this bracha. But to get to the root of the problem, to the real, the real source of it, that's something which is going to take some real contemplation. In real looking in the mirror, in real honesty with yourself, you have to be brutally honest with yourself to be able to figure out what exactly is it that's going to be that impediment. And this is true in all areas of our avodas all areas of, of avodas HaShem, we're not looking for on Rosh Hashanah, Asir Shemei Yom Kippur, to look beyond those things which we don't know. And we're not looking beyond our abilities and beyond what's in, within our potential. We're looking at those behaviors which we know we should do better, and we're looking at them to try and fix them because so far I haven't found the root of it. Now this is something which is, as we said at the beginning, it could be very uncomfortable. Because to be able to explore and to be able to be introspective and to be able to really think deeply about yourself and where your flaws are and to pinpoint them, so there's something which could be a big challenge. And any time a person is going to go ahead and go through that exercise of thinking about themselves and thinking about themselves critically, so the only way that one is going to be able to do that is if they feel confident in who they are, that they're capable of looking at their flaws without undermining the essence of who they are. You have to have resilience. Resilience is what's going to allow you to be vulnerable, what's going to allow you to be able to expose yourself to yourself in terms of the real depth of who you are because you know ultimately that somebody or something is behind you and they've got your back and they're going to make sure that you go through this process successfully. And that's why the time at which we do this now is by no coincidence, very specific that we do so following the Shiva de following the seven weeks of of, of, of consolation which HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives to us following tishabav tishabav is when Klay Yisrael reached the very depth, the lowest point that we could be, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, enough, out of the country, out of the base of Mikdash, no longer Israel. I'm going to scatter you all over the entire world because we can't stay together anymore. And then, as a result of that, we feel vulnerable and we feel Hu doesn't care about us anymore. But Baruch says, "I'm going to conceal myself." And when Hashem says, "I'm going to conceal myself," that leaves us vulnerable. It leaves us exposed, and we're afraid, literally for our lives. And then Kashbarhu says, "But all is not lost," because. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm going to come to comfort you. I sent you away. I sent you out of the pool. I sent you out of Eretz Yisrael, took away the base of Mitosh. But I am going to run after you to make sure to comfort you so that you should know that I still love you unconditionally as a loving parent. I still love you no matter what, even if you can't see where I am right now. I'm at a distance away. I'm remote. But nonetheless, I still love you deeply and passionately. And only after we could go through the seven weeks of HaKadosh Baruch Hu pursuing us and telling us, despite what happened, I love you desperately. Despite what happened, I love you as a parent can, no matter what, unconditionally. Once we have seven weeks of that being repeated again and again and again, and we know HaKadosh Baruch Hu has our back, then we could step forward and we can say, okay... I'm willing to look deep inside of myself. Why did, what behaviors was I involved in, which contributed to the destruction of the Beis Amikdash? What were those things I did individually? What were those things which we did communally? What were those things we did nationally, which led HaKadosh Baruch to say, I'm leaving, I'm going back up to Shemaim. give me a call when you guys are ready. What did we do, or what were we not doing correctly, which led to that? And as much as it's going to be a painful experience to explore that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I just spent seven weeks giving you nahama. Seven weeks letting you know that even though I'm not here, I'm still here. And even though I've gone remote, I'm right there next to you, holding your hands, supporting you, making sure that you could go through this and you could do this, because I have confidence in you, I love you, and I know that you can do it. And that's why when we have this time, the seven weeks, the Shiva de are behind us now. And now the only thing which is in front of us is Slichos and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and the Esser Shemet Shuva. Now we're finally positioned after these seven weeks since Tisha B'av, we've been waiting to get our confidence back to get our strength back to be able to say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we take responsibility for what happened with the Beis HaMikdash We're ready to go ahead and do all of those things because despite the consequences of being exiled from our land in the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash we have 100% confidence that HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves us. And it's with that confidence, it's with that reassurance of the Shiva and the that's what propels us and that's what gives us the resilience to be able to enter into this new season and to be able to say, I'm going to do my best to explore as deep as I can those behaviors which I would like to eradicate, those behaviors which I would like to stop so that I can do it successfully and get to the root of it. And get it out of my system so that moving forward I'll be much more capable and much closer to being able to realize my destiny. in all of the potential which Akarish Baruch Hu has endowed in me to make that a reality. But it begins with these four days or for us these six days where we examine ourselves to make sure that we're going to be blemish free. So that when we enter into Rosh Hashanah a week from now we'll have that confidence HaKadosh Baruch Hu is behind us. We've done our job. To the best of our ability to find those blemishes and to rid ourselves of them. And now we could go in confident of the din of the judgment that Baruch Hu was going to give us.